Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. The Lord spoke to me a few months ago as I was preparing and looking at uh, our covenant series and and how we're going to be discovering and talking about the covenant of God and how God keeps His covenants. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly uh, to invite a, a great friend of ours, and I mean, you may not know him as a friend, but he's prayed for you. The Lord's put this church, our church, on his heart for a while. And, uh, and so it is my honor and privilege to welcome Pastor Wayne Wilkes from Gateway Church. Would you stand and help me welcome Pastor Wayne? <laughs> Pastor Wayne, so wonderful to have you, sir. Thank you, sir. Love Thank you. you. Love you. Thank you so much. Well, it is. please be seated. What a privilege it is to be with you in this beautiful part of our country. I bring you greetings from Gateway Church, and it's a lot better here than the heat of Dallas-Fort Worth right now. And I know I speak for Pastor Robert on how proud we are of uh, Pastor Josh and Anna, and uh, we value this uh, cherished relationship with your wonderful church very much. Pastor Josh, as he mentioned, has asked me to speak today on Covenant with Israel. I've watched every one of these messages and they've been so fantastic. And um, so I wanna speak on the Covenant with Israel. Now there's this mysterious figure in the Old Testament, this God, man, angel figure. Uh, Sometimes he's given a name, sometimes he's called God, sometimes he's referred to as angel of the Lord, but he definitely appears. People see him. And this figure is Jesus. And Jesus comes to Abraham four distinct times. And in the Hebrew it says very clearly he appears. That means in the Hebrew he saw someone and Abraham even offers him a meal and he eats with Abraham in one of those instances. But Jesus comes to Abraham four times and he promises him three things. He promises him land, he promises him offspring, and he promises him that he will be a universal blessing to all the world. Now, I want to start with this passage in Jeremiah 31 that Pastor Josh has been using. And... um, As we consider the covenant with Israel, verse 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with who? With the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will all know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. This is the essence of the new covenant, knowing the Lord and the forgiveness of sins. Let's read on in verse 35. For this is what the Lord says, he who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that his waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. So God has now appointed and decreed the created order. 
Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. Now he brings up the nation of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be searched out, will I reject the descendants of Israel because of all they have done. So he again repeats the connection of the created order with the Jewish people. So what I want you to see in this passage is a triangular covenant here. The new covenant connects the forgiveness of sins to the preservation of the nation of Israel, which in turn is connected to the preservation of natural creation. The creation of the world was made by covenant. The chosenness of the nation of Israel was made by covenant. The eternal salvation of all believers was made by covenant. These three are linked together by covenant. Covenant demands that they all three be true or none of them be true. Why have so many sought to exterminate the Jewish people through the ages? What is the demonic spiritual root behind it? Because if the Jewish people are destroyed, then the new covenant and the created order are in jeopardy. A Christian salvation is dependent on God's covenant faithfulness. But God has a previous covenant with the people of Israel. Jesus promises eternal life to all who believe. Although long before, Jesus promised the land of Israel to Abraham and the Jewish people. What does this mean for the Christian worldview? Ultimately, Israel's destiny lacks fulfillment without faith in Jesus. But may I ask, does a Christian's faith in Jesus lack fulfillment if he or she refuses to recognize God's covenant faithfulness to the Jewish people? With God's help, I want to take you on a journey. I want you to put your belts on because I'm going to be moving. I'm going to take you on a journey through history on why the covenant with Israel is foundational to our faith. I want to look at the lives and the witness of the early believers in Jesus. How did they understand themselves as Jews? How did they understand the new covenant? How did the non-Jews, the biblical term is Gentiles, which simply means the nations, how did the nations get included into the new covenant with Israel? When we talk about the first community of believers, we often look back to the first congregation in Jerusalem. We look back to the work of the Holy Spirit in the beginning. It was a troubled time in Israel. There was Roman domination. There was brother against brother. But in this atmosphere, there arose a community of faith that manifested the kingdom of God. In Jeremiah 31, 31, remember it said, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with who? With the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. And at the Last Supper, Jesus really instituted the new covenant when he took the bread and he said, this is my body. And he took the cup and he said in Matthew 26, 28, this is my blood of the new covenant. He then gave it to the 12. The 12 were representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus had said in Matthew 19, 28, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon His glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones 
judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, in the heavenly Jerusalem, you're going to see 12 gates with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. We're all going to see those someday. There are going to be 12 beautiful foundation stones, which are the names of the 12 Jewish apostles of the Lamb. So when Jesus made the new covenant with his disciples, they were representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. This was a fulfillment of Jeremiah 31. But at this time, the nations are not yet included. So on the day of Pentecost... The Jewish Feast of Shavuot, one of the three great feasts the Jewish people come up to celebrate as God has commanded and the Spirit of God is poured out. Now Jesus had told his disciples, you're going to be my witnesses, first to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the uttermost parts of the world. They knew it was Jesus' plan, it was God's plan to go to the ends of the earth, but it wasn't automatic. They needed a sign. Something had to happen in the heavenlies for the doors to be open. It couldn't be people getting together in a room and coming up with a strategic plan to include the nations. God had to do something. Soon a persecution broke out in Jerusalem and the disciples began to be scattered everywhere preaching the word. Peter found himself in the port city of Joppa, the gateway to the nations. This was the city, the port where the reluctant prophet Jonah fled from God when God called him to go to the Gentiles of Nineveh and preach repentance. You remember Jonah went and all Nineveh repented. Thomas, years later on his way to India, preaches the gospel to the Ninevites in Iraq, in Syria, that area. All Nineveh repents. People of that region today who are Christians, who were slaughtered by ISIS, consider themselves Ninevites. They look back to Jonah as a spiritual father. Remember, ISIS blew up Jonah's tomb in Iraq. Peter knew well this story, the significance of this place where Jonah had gone out. So here he is, Peter. He's on a roof. He's hungry. He has a vision of unclean animals, and a sheep comes down, and he hears a voice, Peter, eat and kill and eat. Now, Peter was an observant Jew. He never let anything unclean touch his lips. But the voice replied, what God has cleansed, do not call unclean. The vision repeats itself three times. Now, this vision had nothing to do with eating. It symbolized the nations. Up to this time, the nations were unclean. They were outside the commonwealth of Israel. They did not know the true God. God is saying to Peter, the door to the nations has now been opened. The blood of Messiah has cleansed them. They can now enter into the new covenant with Israel. Cornelius, a Gentile, is saved. Other Gentiles begin to be saved. Saul, a very Jewish man, turns to the Lord in his call to go to the nations. But he always went to the Jew first. But he began to go to the nations. And all of a sudden, more and more Gentiles began to be saved. So what happens? In Acts 15, the leaders of the Jewish congregation in Jerusalem, they call a council to see if this is correct, because in their thinking, the Messianic faith is the Messianic faith of Israel. So they come together, they look through the scriptures, they pray, and they discover in Amos 9 where it speaks of a fallen tabernacle of David. Reading from Acts 15, 16 through 18, after this I will return. I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down, I will rebuild its ruins, I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things, known to God from eternity, known to God from the very beginning, always his plan. It's not God's 
plan B or plan C. God has always planned to include the nations. Known to God from eternity are all his works. So they understood the tabernacle of David is being restored. It's a big tent. Yeshua, Jesus' name in Hebrew, Yeshua is sitting on the throne of David in this tent. And the nations are now gathered together and are joined to the messianic part of Israel. This is very important understanding for us. This analogy is repeated throughout the New Testament with different pictures. In Romans 11, the cultivated olive tree represents messianic Israel. It was planted by Abraham and those through the generations that had a messianic hope. Jesus said in John chapter 8, Abraham saw my day or saw me and rejoiced. Jesus was saying very clearly, I'm the one who appeared to Abraham. I'm the one who gave him the covenant of circumcision. I'm the one who gave him those promises. Jesus was saying Abraham saw those encounters in his messianic. When we read the Psalms, David clearly sees the Messiah. Moses and the prophets speak much of the coming of the Messiah. Anna and Simeon were in the temple awaiting for the coming of the Messiah. This is messianic Israel before the coming of Jesus. This olive tree continues to grow and the apostles are now part of it. Into this believing messianic Israel, the nations have been grafted. Paul, speaking to the nations in Ephesians 2, says this, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God. The only time this word is used in the Greek New Testament, atheos. You were atheists and you were without hope. Verse 13, once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. The blood of the new covenant. This is the way it was seen by the early believers. This was the apostolic perspective. This was the day the prophets saw when the nations would be joined to the nation of Israel. Now, if you become a part of a family tree, you take on the identity of the tree. All the different wild branches, all the nations are grafted into the same tree. This is a key understanding for us. A key understanding to the way of unity. The key understanding to the way of nourishment. And if it's God's way, there really is no other way. Romans eleven sixteen through 18 says, If the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root. Again, another one of these words, only time it's used in the New Testament meaning this fat root, this nourishing sap, this rich root of the olive tree, don't be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Listen, no congregation is perfect. And I've traveled, I was a missionary for many years, lived, all over the, lived around the world and been in many churches. But I, there is a distinct nourishment, there's a distinct blessing, there's a distinct grace I think on churches that understand they're connected to Israel. The community of believers in the first generation was totally Jewish. 
existing as an increasingly identifiable grouping within Israel. The decision of the First Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 to admit Gentiles to the body of believers without requiring conversion to Judaism, that is circumcision, caused new tensions within Israel. But Jerusalem leadership signed documents affirming Gentile inclusion into the one body of Messiah, the one body of Christ. In time, developments occurred in Jewish history and church history that created the original divisions away from Messianic Israel. The first stage was when the Senate of Rabbis came together in 90 AD. This is 20 years after Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. They met in another town in Israel called Yavne, and they decreed the expulsion of Jewish believers in Jesus from the synagogue. Now, this Sanhedrin did not have authority over all the the synagogues and the diaspora, but the decision that was made in Yavne in 90 AD, this decision, this decree that went out began to change the way rabbis and the synagogue thought about Jews who believed in Jesus, Jews who were messianic. So, because of this, messianic Jews began to be excommunicated from Israel. This was the thinking. If you believe in Jesus, you, you're no longer, we also consider you no more part of Israel. But the Jewish believers remain full members of the larger community of believers in Jesus, which is now known as the church. The second stage is when the church, between the second and the fourth centuries, now a church overwhelmingly made up of Gentile believers, first marginalized and then excluded Jewish believers in Jesus. Get this picture. In Acts 15, the the Jewish majority comes together and says, what do we do with this Gentile, small Gentile group that's getting saved? What do we do? Do we require them to become Jewish? No, no. We're only going to put four things on them and we release them to be Gentiles, to worship in their own culture and the gospel spread. 300 years later, get the picture, now the church is primarily made up of Gentiles and these leaders are coming together in the Gentile church and say, what do we do with the Jews who are getting saved? And rather than remembering the kindness of Acts 15, they, they, they signed documents saying that the Jews must renounce all Jewish practice and identity. They must take on a Christian name. They must eat pork. They must sign documents affirming that they renounce Israel and the Jewish people. This was a great sin. So the first break in church history was not between the Catholics and the Orthodox. It was the break with Messianic Israel. And since then, there's been one break after another because God's plan for unity in the one new man had been severely damaged. If you will, it was the first wound of the church. And I contend that as this wound is healed, as first things are restored, as God's covenant with Israel is honored, other wounds will miraculously be mended So the church of the nations developed. Jerusalem was destroyed. Israel was cast into the dispersion. The Roman emperor Hadrian changed the name of Jerusalem to Aelia Capitolina in 130 AD. And he changed the name of the land of Judea, the land known as Israel. He he changed it to what became known as Palestine. Hadrian wanted to wipe out all memory of Israel. So the church really began to think that God was finished with the Jews. They thought they were the new Israel. The church developed, but also with it, endless divisions. 
In this way, the one new man model of unity in Ephesians was replaced by the universal model of a church of the nations, which was held together by councils. We've seen many ecumenical attempts to find a way to unity, and every attempt does not work because we've forgotten the olive tree. We've forgotten that we were brought into the tabernacle of David. We've forgotten God's covenant with Israel. Peter Hawken writes, Every teaching that asserts the end of God's covenant with Israel and every teaching that separates Jesus from his own people is inherently divisive. It makes the new order dependent on God breaking his covenant commitment to Israel. Such a position undermines the stability of the new covenant order. It makes it subject to a spirit of judgmentalism as new claimants to be the authentic church replace those judged to have been rebellious and apostate. I grew up in a particular denomination. That's what we ever talked about. Everybody else was apostate. Everybody else had it wrong and we had it right. God wants to give us a vision for restoring and honoring our connection to Israel. There's so much confusion today on Israel. There's growing anti-Israel sentiment. Look, I think those of us in the older generation, we need to change our terminology. Hey, I am pro-Palestinian. I am pro-Arab. I am pro-peace. I am pro-justice. You know, we need to have a two-eyed vision for both Ishmael and Isaac. You remember we talked about the angel of the Lord, Jesus coming. The first time he's mentioned is the angel of the Lord. Who does he appear to in the book of Genesis? He appears to Hagar, and he gives these phenomenal promises to Ishmael's mother about Ishmael, the father of the Arab people, and he makes a covenant with her, and many times people just look, all, look over that. Well, how do we understand Israel? I just want to say in short, in Romans 11, Paul says there's only one cultivated tree which represents the one Israel. There are natural branches that are Jewish believers. There are natural branches that are cut off, which are Jew Jewish people who do not accept Yeshua. And then the wild branches are Gentiles who are bring, being grafted in through faith in Jesus and are now included in the commonwealth of Israel. Paul says that don't be arrogant toward these branches, and he says that God is able to graft those branches back in again. Now look, the nations are grafted in, and the Jewish people are grafted in. How are you grafted in? We're only grafted in through faith in Jesus. That's the only way we can be grafted in. There are promises that relate to individual salvation where there's neither Jew nor Gentile, where there's no distinction, where there's no dividing wall of hostility, but there also remain specific promises for the nation of Israel and the Jewish people that have nothing to do with Gentile nations and individuals. So what's happening in our day? We're seeing the reemergence of Messianic Israel. In 19, it, it, I think it's like the first in the natural and then the spiritual. We see in 1948, Israel becomes a nation. I mean, from 70 AD to 1948, I mean, people thought, wow, we, this is absolutely amazing. And around that same time, there were all these things happening. People, healing ministries like Oral Roberts and evangelistic ministries like Billy Graham and others began to spring up. But the watershed was in 1967, the same year that Jerusalem was reunified. God began to pour out the revelation on his, of his son on many Jewish individuals, a 2013 Pew Research Study reported that 1.7 million of 7 million adult Jews in America identified themselves as Messianic Jews, Christian Jews, or completed Jews. So this little tree is growing. What occurred in the beginning is happening again in the end. In terms of the church, however glorious the early one was, the future one will be far more glorious. 
This has to do with the grace of God. We've all failed. The nations have failed. The Jewish people have failed so many times. But God is faithful. God will not be satisfied until His work is finished. And that which began in the beginning will be reflected in the end. Now the acknowledgement of the Jewish root does not mean that uh, Gentiles have to become Jewish or follow Jewish customs as the first Jerusalem council made clear. We also affirm Gentile Christian uh, traditions and holidays. They're not pagan as some people say. We also affirm indigenous Messianic Jewish congregations. But the image of engrafting means the Gentile believers receive the nourishment of the natural olive tree fully embodied in Jesus, but they don't lose their identity as Gentiles. In Revelation 21, it says that in the end, the riches of the nations will be brought into the holy city. Well, many consider Paul's greatest theological work uh, the book of Romans. And in Romans 9 through 11, he gives his theology on Israel. I just want to read a few verses and then close with a, 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 a personal illustration. So chapter 9, verse 1, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and, my, and, and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, the Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. He made covenants with them. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors, and Christ himself was an Israelite, and he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Chapter 10, verse 1, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart, Paul says, in my prayer to God for the people of Israel is to be saved. Chapter 11, verse 1, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. Verse 2, no, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. Verse 13, I'm saying this to you Gentiles. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, here it is, for God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn. God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn. If you think that God is about had enough with you, God holds up the nation of Israel forever as a banner of hope. His covenant faithfulness to the people of Israel, to the Jewish people, to the nation of Israel is a banner of hope for us they have the disadvantage because their whole family story is before us. I mean, if my whole family story and the generations before, I mean, it'd be a pretty ugly story, I'm sure. But nobody else knows that. So let's don't sit there and criticize Israel. This message gives us hope. In God's covenant faithfulness to the new covenant, to you, He forever holds Israel as an example. Well, I was being hosted in Helsinki, Finland. I was ministering there and I was staying with an elderly uh, family and um, I was coming down the hall and across the flat I noticed the name on the door Jacob Brill and I asked this elderly woman who was hosting me I said 
um, is this man Jewish? And she said, yes, he's Jewish. He's 90 years old, and there's not many Jewish people left in, in Helsinki. And uh, she was a zealous Christian. I said, well, have you ever you know, shared your faith with him? She lived across the hall 20 years from him. She said, oh, no, 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 I've never shared about Jesus, no. And I mean, in that moment, it was just like the grip of the Holy Spirit was on me. I knew I had to share the gospel with this dear man. And so in nervousness, I tapped on the door <clears throat> and nobody answered. <clears throat> For the next three days, when I'd come in toward the end of the day, I'd oh, nervously knock on the door, seeking to talk to Mr. Brill, and he wasn't home. 15 minutes before I was to leave for the airport, here comes elderly Mr. Brill walking down the hall. He'd been away from the weekend. I said, Mr. Brill, please forgive my uh, abruptness. And in my frail way, I just began to share the good news. Mr. Brill, I, I'm a messenger from God. To tell you that Jesus, his real name is Yeshua, which means salvation. He's the Messiah of Israel. He's the Savior of the nations. Mr. Brill, he's the Passover lamb, the one Moses and others saw and people of Israel have put their hope in. His blood applied over us. The death angel passes over and we have hope of forgiveness of sins. We have the, the new covenant that we can know the Lord. And what I haven't told you is that this dear elderly woman was my translator. And I told her, translate exactly what I say. I've got 15 minutes, you've had 20 years. Tra translate exactly as I say. And she would just, I would say something and she'd just speak longer. And then she, I'd say something and she, I'd say Yeshua, she'd say Jesus. Finally, it was like the Holy Spirit was breaking in and Mr. Brill, I said, Mr. Brill, would you pray with me? I've got to go. And he said, yeah, yes, I'll pray. And all of a sudden, she started talking. And she talked, and she talked, and she talked. And all of a sudden, he just got very nervous. No, 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 too fast, no, no. And I said, what, what did you say to him? She said, I just told him that if he becomes a Christian today, he can celebrate his first Christmas in two weeks. My goal was not for this elderly Jewish man to celebrate Christmas. That worked completely against the good news. You know, I want to, I, I found out years later that Mr. Brill passed away about a year after that. And, you know, my prayer is that Yeshua's name came to his mind and was spoken before his death. And, and he, he, he believe, would believe but I want to leave you with three things today. Number one, that you would not be discouraged by your failures. Whatever your failures have been, God holds up the new covenant as a covenant of hope and reminds us through the covenant with Israel that sins can be forgiven and we can know the Lord and hope for us is never lost. Hope for us, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They will not be pulled away. Secondly, I pray that you would take up this fight for the gospel for the Jewish people.
if you have, if you, I know there's a lot of Jewish people, maybe in this congregation, but in, 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 in the area, you know, develop a friendship. Don't do it in 15 minutes. I mean, <laughs> you know, build a friendship and, and sincerely learn about them and take an interest in, and, you know, the Jewish people have specific objections to the gospel. Be a student and learn how to be a right representative of Yeshua, of Jesus, in taking the good news to them. And finally, that you would personally take up this fight against the ignorance and, sensi- and insensitivity of sometimes well-meaning Christians, sometimes not so well-meaning Christians, who are clueless on God's heart for Israel. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for Ocean Church. I want to thank you for Pastor Josh, who loves the people of Israel, who honors the covenant with Israel. We bless our Jewish brothers and sisters, and we pray, as Paul did, Lord, that they would be saved and that they would have the hope of the Passover lamb in their hearts. Lord, I bless my brothers and sisters today, and I pray that the seeds of this message, Lord, would bear fruit for your glory in Yeshua's name, Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.